Hi, and welcome to Practical Reliability. I'm George Williams, CEO of Reliability X, and in connection with Reliability Radio, we are here live at IMC 2021, the 35th International Maintenance Conference down here on Marco Island. My guests right now are Sunil Kamarkar and Ed Stanek of Acid Analytics. Hey, hi, George. How are you? I am fantastic. How are you? Do- how are you guys doing? Doing great. Doing great. You look really nervous. Are you nervous? Little what are you bit, nervous you know, for? It's I, like this is not. To George is always difficult. Yeah. <laughs> This should be a piece of cake, you know. I, I thought so in the yeah, beginning. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> now you're nervous, huh? Yeah. Yeah, there's no, there's a big crowd, an audience, what? They're snapping pictures of you. You're like a celebrity. Yeah, that's here. really what makes it a little different. Yeah. <laughs> All right, excellent. Well, welcome. What, what, so, what brings you guys down to the International Maintenance Conference? A lot of things. Uh, we have been coming to this conference for a long time, and uh, we didn't have it last year, and now it's back again. Uh, so looking forward to it. It's good to be face to face, right? Absolutely. All I mean, the not time. to look at this face, but you know, yeah, like you yeah. know, I would, it's I good. would prefer some it's other good to face. Be, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to be face to face. Absolutely. That, what was it like um, on the sales and side of things, like during COVID? That's got to be pretty tough too, right? I mean, for you guys, for anybody, any industry, that kind of goes out the window. Yeah, yeah. I think you know, pr- primarily, just like any other general consulting group. You, you live with your clients on the floor. You do a lot of tactical uh, engagement. But when COVID hit, uh, it put a, a big stress on travel, obviously. Uh, but the, the great part about where we were, we were positioned based on our technology that it allowed us to work remotely with our clients. Uh, and we were doing that pre-COVID as well. So we just really went full focus on that. And, uh, and everybody was working from their kitchen tables, our clients. And, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. So, all right, so let's just kind of take a step back for folks that may not know who Asset Analytics is. Um, so I, I've worked with Asset Analytics for a really long time. Um, I think 2010 might have yeah, been when... That's the first time, uh, yeah. first time we kind of met at the conference, small, a small CMMS conference or something down, right. in, down in Fort Myers, right? Right. And, right. and so introduce who Asset Analytics is. Uh, so... We have been in business of uh, analysis of our enterprise asset management for a long period of time. We focused around Maximo, SAP, Infor, and really the whole thing that was around asset man- analysis related to asset management. And uh, in the last maybe, I would say, seven, eight years, we kind of started focusing more and more on a lot more subject areas. And in the last three years or so, and uh, we, we really transition into building a lot of application, analytical applications, using basic analysis and then workflows around after what do you do by seeing the analysis. And in the last maybe two years, we built uh, products around PM and asset strategy optimization, assessments, a uh, lot of control tower related uh, areas. Uh, so we really evolved from a pure play consulting to more on a product application toolkit type. Of I think what I liked about what you just said, Sunil, was that um, it, it's about what are, what action is somebody going to take, right? So originally you're writing reports, they come out of a CMS system. Yeah. It's not really triggering people to do anything unless they really want to. Right. And you've, you're now evolving the organization to one that's 
putting gigantic red flags in people and right. saying, not only here's the red flag, but here, you know, here's the steps, here's what you need to do. Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, I think there, there's two, two aspects to this. One is uh, even, you know, way before the applications took form, we were doing a lot of report generation and that's because there was the absence of that in the CMMS program. So really we're filling a big gap in that functionality. But as, as report authoring became a little bit more uh, easy uh, and the interface tools that are out there have become more internalized with our client base, there was a lot more functionality missing out of the CMMS world. And that is exactly that. You know, so how do you take this information uh, tell a story with it, but more importantly, how, how do you lead people to make that improvement, not just to be aware? And, and that's the big breakthrough that we've had uh, of recent, and, and really our whole application and our focus is around improvement management. Right, right, yeah. right, 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 right. So how, what's the process like? What, how does somebody, um, what's, what's the solution called, and how do they get, how do they walk me through with the utilization right so so there are different ways people have uh, been doing improvements in the industry uh, whether it's done formally or informally but at some point in time you got to identify an opportunity to improve or you have to identify a problem that you would like to address sometimes there are a lot of feedback suggestions your reviews and a lot of those things are kind of disorganized. They are mainly in Excel or in Word or PowerPoint and it's just not uh, documented or followed through. So in our process, that's the first thing is you can compile all of these different, different ways your improvement opportunities are or problem solving actions that you think would help. So that's the first thing is what do you want to improve? Then the second step is to really prioritize what you want to do first and second and that sort of thing. And that prioritization requires a lot of objectives alignment, what comp the site is wanting to do, what the company is wanting to do, what's their immediate goal, three, five years goal, three months goal, whatever the case is. And then prioritization is a, is a big process in itself. What to improve and in what sequence to improve. Once that is done, then we have another module for solutioning side of it. You can approach the problem in multiple ways, uh, and one thing can touch another thing, etc. So you you, you got to go through a solution processing, whether you are going to optimize a strategy of a particular uh, asset class or an asset segment or whatever the case is, or your planning process or your scheduling process, etc. And once you do solutioning, then it's actually doing it. And then the last piece is the feedback, whether it has really made an impact on the, on the business, and then what can we learn out of that uh, feedback process, and then what can you generalize and then take it to the rest of the uh, sites. As an example, if you are a multi-site, there is an advantage of getting something organized, uh, getting something standardized, and then rolling it out to the rest of the organization. So that's that's really at a broad level. Ed, yeah. you can add some no, more. I, I, I think just to expand a little bit on, on what problems that we're trying to solve here is that uh, everyone is making improvements outside of this podcast, this event, and the challenge is that those improvements right now are independent actions. And like Sunil mentioned, they're more likely managed on an Excel spreadsheet, a whiteboard, or, or some other external document or resource. Uh, so what we're trying to do is to create momentum in improvement, not just to have an improvement take place, but 
how do you take your foot off the accelerator and your program keeps running? So as, as Sunil mentioned, not only the discovery of a problem, but then the baselining of how big of a problem is that? And then what's the cause and effect of that? So everybody's doing root cause on equipment failures, but very few people are doing cause and effect on root cause analysis for programmatic failures. And I think that's really what we're trying to do is improve the programs that are, are managing the asset base. And then by doing that, you create this momentum where the program has inertia, right? So that's, that's the idea behind this, more of a flywheel type of an approach to improvement. Yeah, you know, if there's not really a system to support things, you're talent reliant. So if somebody creates a good system or a good program, whether it's in Excel or some SharePoint site, you can have some success. But when they leave, if there's not a system in place, you're back to talent reliant and maybe the next person doesn't know how to manage that improvement and keep sustainable uh, effort behind it. So that, That's exactly right. Yeah, so in the absence of process, people become the fuel, right? So the, the idea be around that now is that you have a lot of uh, variability in the way people even approach improvement, right? So there's no standardization where the same result can be also leveraged between locations. This is really important too. So we, we're working with one of our clients and they're trying to solve a problem, but their sister plant is also having that same problem. But there's no communication between those organizations. And each group is left to sort of fend for themselves or clear their own pathway. A lot of energy wasted there. Right, 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 right. And then if you see it centrally, so we think it can be done in a top-down approach and a bottom-up approach. Uh, so the site can come up with some ideas that they think will help them and they have to do a lot of work to really get it right the first time, all that. They, they're doing it on their own. You go to the next site, they're doing it on their own. So what we believe is this can be orchestrated where something from the top down, you have a big picture, a site A is doing something, what can you do it and take it to the site B and site C and then you really build that, the momentum that uh, Ed talked about there are. One is the momentum related to implementation velocity, but there is another one is really building the content that can, the solutions themselves can be leveraged and you build a momentum to have these multiple solutions that you can take it across. And So we, we really think that Flywheel will create the stability, uh, it will create the a domino effect that, you know, you, with a little effort, you can then achieve a lot more things. Right, so right, right. That, that's the idea there. Yeah, I think that's phenomenal because, that, you know, that's the area that things fall apart. Like, so great, we got an RCM study, it's collecting dust, it's on the table, you know, it's on a, on a bookshelf someplace. Um, great, we did some FMEAs, they're in an Excel file somewhere, but never the action to actually implement things. Right. And so what you're putting in place is a structured approach to make sure those those goals are achieved in terms of getting it done. And, and in addition, defects that are found in the field and all kinds of other issues that they have to prioritize and work on. That's exactly right. And and Sunil mentioned uh, you know just a few minutes ago that the alignment to site objectives is going to help us create prioritization. I don't think there's anybody at this conference looking for more work to take on. Right, right, right. So with limited resources and, and, and staff and attrition rates and all these different challenges, especially with COVID, people working semi-remotely now getting back into the workplace, right. there needs to be one single place where you can manage and see everything. You know, that's and that's the, the, the really the big the big mission we're after. Yeah. So, now, so, so just to add, you know, so the improvement itself in we all are in the process of the PDCA or DMEC or any other model. 
it's going on. Like Ed said earlier, it's 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 there. We think you know the center of excellence to manage improvement will really really go a long ways in a, uh, especially in a larger companies where you have lots of people, lot of disconnected sites and. Everybody's on their own, but at some place they all want to centralize these things where uh, they want to have a say in it, they want to assist the sites in doing the right things, and they want to create that, uh, that environment, that culture. And I, I think uh, that's where we want to play. We want to help these efforts at the site level as well as at this uh, central, uh, you know, uh, where they want to help them, their sites to take different, different solutions. Right, now, uh, assuming they have no idea where to start, you guys have also helped solution a product for that as well. Right, right, so in the, in the suite of improvement management, the ability to uh, assess or baseline your entire EAM program uh, across the entire, uh, uh, all your efforts, all, all of your domains and elements, and we've modeled it with around the uptime elements framework so that uh, an organization can quickly get to some answers uh, in, in a completely different method. So traditionally, you'd hire a consulting firm. They'd come in and crawl around your organization for weeks, very expensive, very time-consuming. What we've done is we've boiled down some essential uh, points that you want to evaluate in each of these elements and then bounce those elements against the objectives, and that's going to help create a correlation or relationship to which things matter most are going to have the most profound impact. For there, now you can dial that down into a handful of actions that are going to have the most most impact. So you can build your whole strategy right in this application. You can uh, figure out where you're performing if you're out of balance. So one of the things that uh, you brought up earlier uh, was whether or not you're getting some good results in the absence of process or formality. So that shows an imbalance that, hey, things are working and it might feel like we're doing okay, but if that person leaves, wins the lottery right, right, or something, right. then that's not a sustainable, and it's a lot of constant heavy lifting. And by the way, that person doesn't have to just leave the organization permanently. They could go on vacation for two weeks, right. and, and you'll <laughs> yeah, see your yeah, program yeah. drop, right? So, so what you know that the ability to find out where you're out of balance, and then where to dig deeper when you need to. So the RAM GPS, the Reliability and Asset Management GPS, is exactly what you would think it is. It's a global positioning. Every time I say this, my phone. Google starts <laughs> navigating me to something, but but it's the idea is to find out where are where's your current position in your journey. You didn't start today. You're in a journey somewhere, and then where do you ultimately want to go? And the shortest distance and optimized route to that is what RAM GPS is going to help you build. And then from there, now you can identify areas that you want to focus in on and 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 really and, and use the improvements. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, as Ed said, you will do this is at a high level, and then the areas that you want to, and you know, there are many things you can do within an asset management program, but you can't take all of this and what is important to you. Once you do that, then you can dig deep within that space and then identify what what you need to do within that space, whether it is related to asset strategy, whether it is related to your downtime, whatever, whatever the areas that you are focusing on, you could do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's a really interesting concept. I think it's a great tool. I, you know, regardless of what people use, they have to understand where they're at and where they're going and put a strategy together to take the next step. And what you're providing them is a mechanism to do that in a, in a more um, structured approach, but also one that helps kind of guide them on that path. If they 
have no idea which direction to go. Right, right. So it sounds goofy, but sometimes that's referred to as unconsciously incompetent, right? You don't know what you don't know. Right. And, and the idea is not just to create that awareness, but you have to take that action. And the, the other important part that Sunil brought up just a few minutes ago is the ability to, to document that what you did worked. That's usually the part that falls off. Everybody puts an action plan in, they go charge over the wall, spears and shields flying, and, and they make these adjustments, and then they go to the next problem, but there's no evidence that what they did worked to fuel yeah, that yeah, yeah. continuous improvement. Yeah. So that's really important, too, to tie back into performance indicators. Well, that doesn't only happen there, but I mean, you see all these capital projects, people, you know, somebody comes up with some idea, we're going to replace light bulbs or do this or do that, but there's, they never go back to see, well, did we actually get the ROI, right? right? You brought up an extremely important thing about that. You know, there is a lot of, uh, every few years you will find some big technology comes along the way, people get excited, now it's IoT. You want to do this, you want to put, you know, all kinds of uh, sensors on variety of things, but you know, is it going to change something else? Meanwhile, the box t keeps jamming because you still haven't figured out how to buy the box at the right specification or check it before you get it to the line, right? right. Yeah. So there's other things in the way, right. and, and I agree. I think there is certainly value to the technologies associated with IIoT and Industry 4.0 but I also think people still have to have the basics down before they get into those spaces. Totally, um, totally. Or use those technologies to, to demonstrate that those issues exist, that they're not taking, that they haven't taken care of for a really long time. Yeah. Uh, and then they can use your tool to help manage that improvement. So those, those processes around those major investments that, that people are making today, uh, we were at a, a recent conference and one of uh, the guys in the room said, hey, we were going to upgrade our, our CMMS to this whole new version and uh, we thought it was going to solve all the problems. Now we have a new version of mediocrity. Right, 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 you know, right, so, right. <laughs> so the idea is that if you don't improve the things that cause that challenge to begin with, a, fr a flashy front end or a nice user interface isn't going to change the way you run your business. No, no, I tell people all the time there is no, I, and even even in my past, you know, they would say, well, you got to give us an ROI for the Maximo upgrade. And I would go, there isn't one. There's no ROI. For, it's a disk. It, like, what are you talking about? You bought a disk. Like, tell me what the ROI was for Microsoft Word. Yeah. If I write a Pulitzer Prize winning, you know, uh, document, then great, you know. But if I don't, if all I did was write my Christmas cards, what was the value? What was the ROI, right? I mean, it's in and of itself, there isn't one. So you've got to take action. Yeah, and you know, one, one other thing just to add, add to this is that some, some folks really, they get excited about all, all of this this topic that we're talking about now until they realize that you're going to use their data in it. And then they, they pull back immediately and say, well, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if our data is ready or I don't know if it's, if it's good. We use the process. There's, there's one of two ways to fix your data. One is you go and fix it and then we wait for these other things to be dependent yeah. upon them. Or you use the, the methods that we're describing to expose or improve right. or drive that oh, change. People don't want to expose those things yeah. though, right? I mean, they just get in the way of themselves and no, my egos. The ego of the organization is far bigger than our right. than our data right. problem, right? right? And then you brought up one thing about the ROI. You know, the field that we all are in, there is no direct shortcut to ROI. In the sense, we take 
steps today, the ROI might come in six, 12, right, two right, years right, right, from right. now. And in the meantime, the leadership changes, people who sponsored your project, and they change and they think, where is this money was invested for? And, and we think, you know, if there is a continuity and documentation, so the next uh, set of people who are engaged with these things, they can actually see what was done, why it was done, what was expected outcome, right. did we get the outcome that we expected. So those those type of things are very, very important. Uh, but you know, to, in the other thing that you were just talking about, the internal egos, etc., a lot of times everybody has opinions. There is no easy way to democratize that opinion and somebody makes a decision and they start doubting those decisions, the success of the project is also at risk. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because everybody has not bought into that. Right. So we believe that having documented effort and an organized effort in improvements will allow you to communicate. And I think that is a big, big difference is if you are doing two projects or three projects, somebody says, you know, in the, uh, in the hallways, yeah, they just started this and it's a flavor of the month or whatever the case is. But so we think the communication is important and this tool will help communicate it, why these improvements were prioritized, what's the rationale, how are we going to go about, et cetera. So yeah. that, that's the other piece. And, and if, you, if you think about, you know, sort of the boil it down to the nature, we're trying to take the emotion out of the decision-making process because Right now, the, the person... Good luck who, with that. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, we're trying to tone I it. I reject your reality, <laughs> and I... <laughs> we're trying to tone it down a little bit, you know, mo use more of, of, of information to back yeah, up yeah, these yeah, decisions, yeah. you know, so... I, I mean, logically, I get it, but right. you and I also know what's going to happen <laughs> I when get it goes it. down. Yeah, yeah, well, that's the challenge, right? Uh, you know, yes, we, that is exactly true, but I'm still going to do this over here. <laughs> you know, we had this, this problem... This one's shiny, so we're going to do this. Yeah, 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 we had this same problem in assessment. You say, how is the program doing? Everybody, if you have 10 people, you'll get 10 different uh, answers and, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and then it's so, you know, diagonally opposite in their opinion and somebody says it's good, somebody says it sucks. How do you, how do you get to that? That makes it average. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing all right. <laughs> We're doing good. Uh, yeah, you got to normalize those scores right. somehow and that's difficult, right? And, and even to visualize that there is a difference of opinion and right. document it and have it that, okay, there was a, and that's how you had a consensus around it. So. Right, right. All right, so are you guys present, so we're down here at the International Maintenance Conference, uh, down here in Marco Island. Are you guys presenting this week at all? Yes, yeah, we have a number of uh, different sessions we're gonna be doing. One is around this baseline assessment of your program, that's one of the sessions. And then the other is a, a case study with a client uh, around the optimization of their reliability strategies using their CMMS data. So that's going to be really exciting. And then uh, we're also exhibiting. So we're, we're down on the, uh, on the, in the freak on show. On the expo hall. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, excellent. Well, we're, we'll see you guys around. It's absolutely fantastic to talk to you. It's always a pleasure. And uh, I think, Ed, you and I have a session later on, a little one-on-one -on -one time where Sunil's not hogging up the mic. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so anyway, thank you so much for being on Practical Reliability. I absolutely enjoyed this conversation. George, thank you so much. Thank you very much, Josh. Right, you guys take care. For um, Sunil Kamarkar, Ed Stanek, I'm George Williams, CEO of Reliability X. Go make tomorrow better than today.
If you're a Maximo user, responsible for Maximo at your company, a developer, or someone interested in asset management, reliability, digital twins, and all the amazing things that surround Maximo, the event for you in 2022 is Maximo World 2022. Austin, Texas, August 9th to the 11th. Participants will have an opportunity to meet IBM Maximo experts and partners with proficiencies in the technology and the strategies and processes that accelerate bottom line business results. For more information, visit www.reliabilityweb.com events and click on the Maximo World icon.